Greetings, users and programs, and welcome to episode number six of Cactus Flax Podcast, the show in which I will be discussing all of the arcade cabinets I have actually owned. I'm your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's show, I will be covering Power Instinct 2, which was released in 1994 by Atlas. As always, we'll kick the show off with a review of the game, followed by my memories of actually owning a Power Instinct 2 arcade cabinet. Power Instinct 2 is a fighting game. The object is to beat other people up more than they beat you up. (laughs) The control panel has uh, two eight-way joysticks. It's for two players with four buttons per player. The cabinet is generic looking, but somewhat large. I only found one photo, and I'm not even sure. I believe uh, it is the original cabinet, but it did seem to be three or four inches taller than all the other cabinets around it. So I think um, it may have been uh, a larger cabinet. Uh, This game is... uh, uh, part of the Power Instinct fighting series. It's the obviously the second game in the series. It was released in Japan under the name Goketsuji Ichizoku 2 Chatudake Saikuyo Densetu. <laughs> I am reading that phonetically, and I'm sure I didn't get a single word of that right. Um, according to uh, the Wikipedia page uh, for Power Instinct fighting games. The first game, uh, <laughs> this this is what um, I think where some of these games go wrong. Uh, you know, I like a game like, uh, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat or whatever, like when the, the people have a little backstory or whatever. But the backstory of the people in this game, uh, first of all, it's very um, split between men and women. Uh, there, there are a lot of girls that fight in this game. Uh, and the backstories that are listed on here, um, th- th- this is uh, most of the characters. Most of the characters in Power Instinct 2 also appear in Power Instinct 1. So we have Angela, who is an Italian strong woman. It says, although she has had a very rough, a very rough lifestyle and a love for heavy metal music, she's very passionate and tends to fall in love easily. She's very tall and very strong, stronger than most men, and as revealed in her ending, quite a bon vivant woman. (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm just gaming through here. Uh, There's Annie Hamilton, uh, who is from England. She is calm and compassionate. She was born in a rich family. At times, she is overbearing and bossy. Uh, However, she loves animals. And she currently has six dogs, four cats, three horses, and a turtle named Kensington. (laughs) So if you needed to know that she has a pet turtle named Kensington, there you go. They have built this into. And by the way, I don't know that you find out any of this within the actual game. I don't know where this information uh, came from. I know that, uh, you know, right before the fight, it may show a little quote or something. I don't remember her talking about her turtle. Um, Let's see. uh, There is... um, 
Where's the one that I really like? There's uh, oh the um, the ninja. This is a Saizo Hatori, who is a dark ninja who keeps his emotions hidden. And I, I like characters like this that are dark. You know, uh, it says he normally hides behind a ninja mask to avoid the contact with others. Although on some occasions, his part-time job requires him to appear on stage in an animal costume. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a dark brooding ninja except for his part-time job where he appears apparently as a mascot in a sports arena <laughs> and then there is a thin nin who is a violent shaolin monk with obscene desires this religious man studied ancient rituals to gain mystic powers and will do everything to get what he wants whether it be women Food or money. <laughs> I like that a guy will go, like he will uh, do obscene things and do whatever it takes to get food. <laughs> uh, and then there's the non-stereotypical, again, sarcasm, uh, white buffalo, who is a Native American who tries to protect the rights of his people at all costs. A man of few words, he appreciates the little things in life, <laughs> like being stuck in this horrible game. Uh, Power Instinct 2 has most of the same characters. Uh, again, it's one of these types of games, like all of these types of games, where everyone has shown up for a fighting tournament, which has been going on since uh, Bruce Lee did it. I'm pretty sure people did it before that as well. Uh, but there are some new characters that uh, don't appear in the first game. Um, and one is uh, Kurara Hanakauji, who you will see in the introduction if you watch the uh, demo, the attract screen. It says she is a magical witch <laughs> who uses her special powers and magical wand for her own benefits. And you will see the wand in the attract mode of this game. Uh, it says when she gains enough power from a fight, she can change into her alter ego, Super Kurara, a woman who wears roller skates while fighting in scantily clad clothing. Uh, and you will see her definitely during the attract mode. There's a like a still screenshot, you know, of this girl wearing like a leather bikini kind of thing and rollerblades. And I always wondered what the deal was because the attract mode is in uh, Japanese, so you don't really know what the story is. Uh, so that was interesting to find out. Um, there's Kanji Kokun, an old man who is the ex-husband of somebody else. He wants to defeat the tribe. And where does it go down here? He starts the battle off with his pumped up muscles, but if he falls, oh, fails from within the initiation of his super move, he loses his strength and turns into a prickly man who only fights with his walking cane. <laughs> so not so many games where you get to beat up on prickly old men with their little canes. Um, then, then, um, this is the last one. This is, uh, Kinta Kokun. Uh, I think he's the grandson of the old man. Uh, he fights in the tournament. Uh, sometimes he uses the assistance of his pets, a huge fish and a bear to aid him. When he gains enough strength from within a fight, he can transform into his alter ego, Pochi, a man wearing a dog costume who fights by throwing power bones at his opponents. <laughs> so as you can see, uh, this game is fairly, uh, insane. Um, as I said, Power Instinct 2 was ported to, uh, the original PlayStation, but it is a Japanese only release. I did find a review of that. So it is the same game, uh, on nowgamer.com. And here is basically what the review says. Just as PlayStation beat-em-ups were starting to get good, this prime lump of steaming excrement turns up. 
dragging the genre back down the proverbial path of, then it says censored, Power Instinct 2 is an unfashionable leap back in time when 2D fighting games were all the rage and innovation was something that stretched no further than a new character in Street Fighter 2. We expect more nowadays, though, and you'd have to be barmy to spend silly money on a fourth-rate pig-sick game like this one. Uh, in its defense, Power Instinct 2 offers the player a wide array of fighters with far-fetched moves, but everything is executed so appallingly you give up trying to be enthusiastic. For example, Atlas have tried to be clever by incorporating nifty morphing moves. Uh, well, this actually, this part only applies to the PlayStation. It says that the, the morphing moves have loading times on the PlayStation, which I don't think uh, there was any delay on the arcade version. But they give this game uh, a 4.5 out of 10, and they said it is instantly forgettable and, frankly, not worth talking about. Um, and this is one of the more positive reviews <laughs> that I found of Power Instinct 2. So um, the graphics on this game, uh, I would, they're, you know, 16-bit era of graphics. This game, again, came out in 94. Um, but they're not, I don't know, it's hard to explain. They're not um, super detailed and, and um the backgrounds, first of all, they, they went overboard with parallax scrolling. If you're not familiar, parallax scrolling is when different layers of the game scroll at different speeds to give you an illusion of depth. But if you're fighting in a room, I don't know how much parallax scrolling you need to give the depth of a room. But boy, oh boy, did they do it in this game. I mean, there are layers. I mean, there's at least two, maybe three layers of parallax scrolling. And everything in the game is animated. So there's crazy music. Uh, and then in the background, like there's one level where there's a band and the band is playing along to the music. Now, uh, I think the band only has two or maybe three cells of animation, uh, but you know, it, it's still synchronized, but it's very distracting. There's other ones where there are monks who are dancing and different things going on. So everything on the screen is moving. So it's very distracting. I'm sure that they were um, you know, trying to go above and beyond and show off all the animation, but it really kind of backfires on this game. It makes it, um, like I said, it's so busy that when you're actually fighting, it's hard for your eyes to focus on, you know, where they should be focused. Um, same thing with the music and the sound effects. There's music, the music is going on, there's sound effects. Everything is so loud and everything's on top of one another that it, it's like, you know, being in a busy room. It's hard for your ears to focus on the actual, um, you know, gameplay where something like uh, Street Fighter 2 or Mortal Kombat, there may be music, but it's in the background. It's lower than the actual action of the fighting. But in this game, everything's pretty much turned up to 10. As I previously mentioned, this game was released for the original PlayStation, but only in Japan. So uh, you can import it if you have a modified PlayStation or if you just uh, use PlayStation emulators, then you shouldn't have any problems checking out this game. You can also play it in MAME. Just remember that you will need four buttons per player. So if you have a, a controller with four buttons, then uh, this shouldn't be a problem. Round one. Wait!
My history before purchasing this game, this may come as a shock, I never heard of it. <laughs> I was at an auction, and, uh, you know, as we've already talked at this point, I had, um, oh, well, I had, I guess, four different games now. I had Shinobi, I had Matt Mania, I had Elevator Action, and I had Championship, uh, or Street Fighter uh, Champion Edition. So I was starting to build my own little arcade in the house, and these arcade auctions would come through town about every three months once that I had uh, discovered where they were. Um, they weren't widely advertised, but you would see them like in the back of the classified ads or something. And, and of course, uh, this would have been 95, late 95 or early 96. So um, you're not, there's not really, um, I guess in the news groups, there may have been some arcade communities, but I wasn't a part of uh, that. So the only place that I would, would see ads for these auctions were in the back of the newspaper. So I started going to them and just looked for, you know, some games that I could afford to add to my collection. And so this game I purchased for $50, which meant uh, I could afford it. <laughs> and uh, I, I knew that I recognized, I still wasn't uh, that familiar. I mean, I, I, my exposure to arcade machines was going to arcades as a kid. And so, I mean, there are a lot of things you do as a kid that you're exposed to that you're not, uh, you know, that knowledgeable about as an adult. And uh, so I, I knew that the cabinet looked familiar. I didn't really uh, know what it was until I got it home. But when I got it home and looked at the back of the cabinet, I realized that this was Punch-Out from Nintendo. Now, obviously, everything that we know today about arcades, it should have been very recognizable to me, but at that time it wasn't. Uh, but on the back of the cabinet, it said punch out. But what made it instantly recognizable is that it had two monitors, just like punch out did. There was the regular monitor and then the monitor up above. And so whoever had done the conversion, because I'm, I mean, punch out's a Nintendo game. So I'm sure the wiring was all different. And this again, this is an era where people were rewiring everything. People weren't restoring games. People were doing crazy things to keep machines going and to, you know, keep games in their arcades or on location making money. So whoever had done this conversion, I wish I could look inside this machine now, knowing what I know now, to actually see physically what they had done. Uh, but the game just ran on both monitors. <laughs> so I had this fighting game in a tall cabinet with two monitors, and both of them were showing the ever-exciting Power Instinct 2. Um, I don't remember any issues transporting this thing, but looking at it, and the one picture, I have one single picture that I have of this game, I must have had some problem getting it through the doorway. I mean, it's not that tall, but the doorways, this is an older house, and the doorways weren't as tall as a modern house either. So it seems to me maybe I had to lean it back a little bit further or something, but uh, nothing really comes to mind about transporting the game. Um, this is the first game that I owned that I had no interest in owning. I literally bought this game because it was cheap. I got it home. I set it up and I bet I didn't play this game more than half a dozen times. Uh, people would come over and, you know, if one of the other games was, was, uh, busy or somebody was playing the other game, not that I had huge arcade parties. I mean, you know, this is my fifth machine, but, uh, you know, people would come over to play games, but I don't remember this one getting played that often. Um, this was, even though it was only $50, uh, it still seems like a weird purchase and it was, uh, literally 
only bought because it was so expensive. I'm not a big fan of anime and manga type uh, uh, cartoons and things like that, or comic books are just not really my thing. And, um, and in fact, for a long time after I got rid of this game, for probably 10 years until I found out that I had actually one picture of it, I couldn't even remember what the name of this game was. I thought that it was a Sailor Moon game, and I had... Uh, I would go on the internet and type like, you know, Sailor Moon arcade game because, you know, it just I, – I didn't own this game very long. I think I purchased this in the spring uh, of 1996, and in the, the summer of 96 is when I moved to Spokane, Washington, and we'll be covering that in the next episode. Uh, so there really was uh, – I mean, I didn't really bond with the game. I don't know if that's a, a – sounds weird – uh, but it just, you know, isn't one It never grew on me. It's a game that I had and, uh, you know, I may have played it a few times, but it's just not, uh, one that particularly stuck with me. I don't think I did any repairs to it. I don't remember anything ever breaking on it. Uh, and I sold it for $50, which is what I paid for it. So again, breaking even for me, uh, was good news. <laughs> and we'll be talking about the first, uh, mass game liquidation in uh, probably in the next episode, I would say. Um, I looked on uh, Exidy's price guide, surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, that was really supposed to be sarcasm. I didn't put the right tone in there, but uh, there's no listing for this game. This is not a highly collectible game uh, or one that uh, I think probably maybe even Atlas wishes <laughs> that, uh, to forget about this one. I also checked eBay, and there are no dedicated cabinets, no converted cabinets. Um, there's a PCB for Power Instinct 1, uh, but none for number two. The the PCB for number one was $50. There are copies of the PlayStation game for about $12 to $15. Again, they're the uh, Japanese import. Um, I did find a, the marquee. Someone has the marquee for sale for $50, which seems crazy to me because there's a lot of classic games you could get a lot cheaper, you know, just the marquees, maybe for $20, something like that. And the Power Instinct 2 marquee is literally red letters that say Power Instinct 2 on a yellow background. <laughs> so, I mean, it's such a plain-looking marquee, so maybe that's somebody uh, with uh, their wishes set high trying to get the $50 for that. I did see the title of this game show up in some of those larger uh, X-in-1 JAMA cartridges, the ones that are not necessarily a, a board, but I think they may be ones that have hard drives in them. There's one called the Pandora box, which is a 645 in one JAMA box. It's listed for $137 on eBay, and it does include Power Instinct and Power Instinct 2. So uh, I suppose if you were dying to <laughs> play Power Instinct 2, um, you know, you could purchase one of those all-in-one type things and install that in a JAMA cabinet and play it that way. Or like I said before, you could just play it in main, but, uh, I can't imagine anybody really dying to play this game. Uh, you know, maybe someone, I, you know, there's always people that, uh, and sometimes when I talk bad about games, I'm not really talking bad about the game. I would talk a little bad about this game, but a lot of times I'm just talking about, you know, my opinion of the game, uh, or, you know, my interest level of the game and my interest level of this game is so low that um, I, I feel bad for devoting an entire episode to it. Uh, it is a generic fighting game that just wasn't very good. You know, um, you know when when I think of fighting games, 
like Mortal Kombat, where each character has you know their own little story, their own little moves. Um, but this one's so cartoony and kind of silly, and and um, you know it's just a little childish is probably a better way to explain it. Um, so would I buy this game again? <laughs> I don't even know that I need to answer that. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely, I wouldn't, um, if, if I had to spend 30 seconds reconfiguring MAME for the four button setup on this, I wouldn't play it. Um, I, I you know, I watched the YouTube videos of it this week while I was doing the research for this show and, uh, that, that's all I needed. You know, uh, it just reminded me of really why it wasn't a great game. There was just nothing that stood out. It was that era of the mid nineties where, uh, street fighter, uh, you know, had caught on and mortal Kombat had caught on. And all of a sudden everybody ran to market with, you know, not as good knockoffs in the fighting genre. And that's what this is. It's just a knockoff. That's not very good. So, um, that, that's really, I guess, sums up my final thoughts on this game is it, it was a generic fighting game. Um, if I had bought this today, I would have put the work in and turned it back into a punch out cabinet because I like punch out a lot more, uh, than I like uh, power instinct too. So that's, I guess my final thoughts of this game are, um, you know, I, I don't know that I learned my lesson at this point. In fact, I'm sure that I hadn't. Um, but this is the first game that I bought that again, I just had no interest in, in owning and have almost no interest in talking about today. <laughs> so it's a, uh, one of those anomalies that, that came and went in the collection. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cactus Flax. You can find more episodes of Cactus Flax over at podcast.robohara.com. If you'd like to contact me, send me an email at robohara at robohara.com. Find me on Twitter at Commodork or follow this page on facebook.com forward slash Cactus Flax. You can also leave a voicemail on the Rob O'Hara podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. Cactus Flax is a proud member of Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. To find this and other retro-themed podcasts, visit throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening. Rock Show!